Oh, yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. This is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, where we bring you everything from high school sports, NCAA, NFL, NBA, HBCU. It's the train that is building up ahead of steam. So grab your tickets, get on board, enjoy the ride. Let this train take you on a sports journey. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Let's get this train on the track. You're on board the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. It's yours truly, Anthony Smith. What has it been? About a week or so, and uh, a lot has happened, and a lot yet still to come. So before everything gets away from me, it's time to give you another edition of the 8 Train Sports Talk Podcast, so you know the drill. Get on board. Put your seatbelt on. And let's enjoy the ride because we are getting ready to take you on a journey. That's right. It's the A Train Sports Talk podcast back at you. Your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. And what we're getting ready to look at right now is a question has been laid out. Bryce Witt had a big year and was named CIAA Player of the Year. So why is HBCU Legacy Bowl invite controversial? And the other question, why Bryce Witt belongs in the HBCU Legacy Bowl? Well, we're going to fade the music and we're going to dive into this story right now, so we are on the track, trains rolling, and here's what we have for you. HBCU Legacy Bowl is sending out invites to its inaugural game slated to take place in February in New Orleans. The HBCU Legacy Bowl is a postseason all-star game showcasing the best NFL draft eligible football players from historically black colleges and universities. One look at the quarterback list sparked controversy. Dewan Carter, 
Norfolk State, Akil Glass, Alabama A&M, Felix Harper, Alcorn State, Bryce Witt, Cowan. First three schools mentioned are well-known HBCUs. Cowan is the only non-HBCU that plays football within the four FCS and Division II HBCU conferences. So, there's a natural reaction to wonder why an all-star game that's dedicated to HBCUs would invite players from a non-HBCU. Here are three reasons why inviting players from Chowan to to any HBCU all-star game makes sense. Chowan's conference affiliation. Chowan is currently an associate member in the CIAA for football and women's bowling. Prior to 2018, Chowan's main sports home had been the CIAA, while it has been an associate member of in Conference Carolinas for eight sports. The school moved some of its programs to Conference Carolinas in 2018 because it allowed the school to move 17 of its 19 sponsored sports under one umbrella. The CIAA's decision to drop baseball as a sponsored sport certainly helped catalyze Chowan's realignment. Since Conference Carolinas does not sponsor football for now, the CIAA agreed to keep Chowan for that sport. Chowan has been competitive in the CIAA North Division for football, but has never won the division. Nonetheless, as a CIAA member for football, it would make sense that the football team would enjoy the privileges that come with conference affiliation. Demographics and location. In addition to its conference affiliation, the student body's racial mix is not far off of HBCUs, despite the school not being an HBCU. In 2020, Chowan enrolled 1,100 students, with 637 of those students being African American. That calculates to 58%, or a majority of its students being Black. That percentage is in line with conference members, Shaw, 59%, and SIAC member, Kentucky State, 57%. Moreover, Chowan is in a predominantly black area and is in an area recruited by other CIAA schools, particularly Elizabeth City State. If the goal is to showcase black talent, then including Chowan's standout players also makes sense when coupled with conference affiliation. Why not Bryce Witt? Quarterback Bryce Witt, Dinwiddie, Virginia, has been Chowan's starting passer for the last four seasons. This year, he accumulated 3,018 yards of total offense paired with 42 touchdowns, 31 passing, 11 rushing. Witt's offensive output led him to be voted CIAA's Offensive Player of the Year this season, becoming the second Chowan quarterback to do so. Witt also nominated for the Harlan Hill Trophy Award to Division II's Most Outstanding Player and it was his second time being nominated by his conference peers for the award. His 99 career touchdowns via passing and rushing are noteworthy and falls only behind Winston-Salem State University's Cameron Smith, 105 touchdowns, and Bowie State's Amir Hall, 127 touchdowns for quarterbacks since 2010. Witt's play helped Chowden finish with the best season in its Division II history at 7-3 though all three losses came against divisional opponents. 
Critics wondered if Witt was taking a spot from a quarterback who played at an actual HBCU. But the other quarterbacks on this list are logical selections. At the Division II level, the only senior that is close to Witt's production is Bowie State's Jerome Johnson. But Johnson's production was lower because of Bowie State University's well-rounded offense. That does not mean he will not get an invite, but that is likely the reason why Witt received an invite first, not to mention. There have been other white quarterbacks who have flourished in HBCU conferences, most recently Ryan Stanley at FAMU. It's easy to dismiss Chowan away from any HBCU football-specific events, given that they are not an HBCU. No one is trying to call Chowan an HBCU either. Nonetheless, the spirit of these games are designed to give players who play in HBCU conferences a platform because the player and conference as a whole benefit from the positive exposure. HBCUs have had such positive exposure challenges in the past, and these games give those players an opportunity. A player like Bryce Witt, who has excelled at a high level in a black college conference, would have interested parties wondering more about the school and the conference the player plays in. As such, Chalmers' conference affiliation with the CIAA should, by itself, allow them access to these games. All the other factors only serve to strengthen the argument that Chowan's student mix, which is predominantly black, also could benefit from the exposure if the player's accolades weren't so. After all, he and any other Chowan player who did well relative to peer CIAA institutions also need the ability to showcase their talent too. There is something that even I can agree to. Chowan should lose that access to HBCU postseason games the moment they leave CIAA football. But until that happens, a player of Bryce Witt's caliber cannot and should not be ignored by HBCU Legacy Bowl. Let's play ball. So, nothing like a little bit of news laced with some mild controversy. And I think that will be my poll question. Should Bryce Witt be allowed? What do you think? Is he taking a spot or is he not? Let's look at some more HBCU news before we move on to other news. As we see here, Alabama State hires alumnus, NFL vet, as head football coach. Alabama State has named alumnus and former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson as its new head coach. Alabama State wasted little time getting the new chapter of its football program started. One day after ending the season with a blowout win over rival Tuskegee, ASU announced former NFL linebacker and Alabama State star Eddie Robinson Jr. as its new head football coach. Eddie Robinson has never been a head coach in college or anywhere else. We've done our due diligence, ASU Director of Athletics Dr. Jason Cable said while introducing Robinson. He has the leadership capabilities. He's going to be the CEO, and we're going to put an experienced staff around him. He replaces Donald Hill Eli, who was fired on November 1st after serving as head coach for four years. ASU was 20 and 21 under Hill, 
who took over as interim head coach after Brian Jenkins was fired by Alabama State during the 2017 season. A native of New Orleans, Robinson is not the son of legendary head coach with the same name. Robinson arrived in Montgomery in 1988 as a walk-on offensive lineman. A three-time all-swag selection, he accumulated 233 tackles and 11 sacks and was part of ASU's 1991 SWAC championship team and winner of the Heritage Bowl. Robinson shown in the blue-gray All-Star game, making 16 tackles and forcing a fumble. Robinson was selected in the second round, 50th overall of the 1992 NFL Draft by the Houston Oilers. Robinson started 11 seasons in the NFL with the Oilers, Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Buffalo Bills, recording 608 total tackles, 23 sacks, 6 interceptions. He appeared in the Super Bowl with the Titans. In 1998, he became the youngest individual to be inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame at 28 years old. I want to get this team, this nation, back to 1991 championship level, Robinson told the media and audience. So there you have some more news regarding HBCU. So I hope this has gotten you up to speed on some information. I'm pretty sure there is more I can give you. And I'm pretty sure there is more I probably will give you. But what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to proceed and move on because here is some more news. And this looks like recruiting news. As South Carolina State plus star commit from A&T's backyard. North Carolina A&T beat South Carolina State on the field. But SC State won a recruiting battle with its former MEAC rival. New MEAC champion South Carolina State has just picked up a commitment from an accomplished defender in North Carolina. Emory Thompson of Grimsley High School in Greensboro has committed to play for South Carolina State. I plan to attend South Carolina State, Thompson told HBCU Game Day. I'm choosing an HBCU because I feel like if I could put if I could put on for my people, that would be big for me. I have family in South Carolina, so that made it a little easier for me. They were genuine and real with me when I went up there for a visit, and I felt a level of comfort, so it was a no-brainer for me. Thompson was recently named Metro 4A Defensive Player of the Year to cap off his senior season. He played alongside five-star defensive tackle Travis Shaw, who has committed to the University of North Carolina and helped Grimsley win a state title this spring. Thompson held offers from FBS schools like Appalachian State, Charlotte, Coastal Carolina, and Georgia State. He also held an offer from North Carolina A&T, located a stone's throw away from his high school in Greensboro. North Carolina A&T won the meeting between the two teams earlier this month, not long after South Carolina State offered him. Now he'll be headed to Orangeburg to help Buddy Pugh and staff build for the future. So, with that, what I'm going to do now is I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I will have some more college football news for you. 
as the coaching carousel continues to go round and round and round like a merry-go-round. So stay in your seats. The train is still rolling and building up ahead of steam as we turn corners. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Be right back. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your conductor, host, Anthony Smith, on a Tuesday evening. Yes, I have to go to work this evening, but it's not going to stop me from laying down a damn good podcast session. I went way to Manhattan, Kansas, picked up a passenger along the way. Some of you know him by the name of Slick Rick. That's what I called him. Or we had other titles, Brother from Another Mother. He had his own radio show and still has his own podcast by the name of Running the Table. My good friend, Brother from Another Mother, Rick Thomas. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let's try that again. Let's try that again. All the way from Manhattan, Kansas. By the way, Wichita, Kansas. Rick Thomas. There we go. Rick, what's going on, man? I did have my own sports talk show on air, but we've also we're, we're running uh, running the table on my podcast now with that. But you know, I, I'm busy. I'll put it that way. I got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> a lot of irons in the fire. I love it. How yeah. You, how you been, man? I, I see radio been keeping you busy, and it's kind of aging you with. What's that? I said radio is keeping you busy, and it's kind of aging you a little bit, isn't it? Aging me? Oh no, <laughs> I'm going backwards. I'm getting younger. I, I noticed. I noticed why I mopped up there. <laughs> Y'all, me and Rick, we can carry on like that. We we can carry on like that. Hasn't it been a crazy, wild season? Yeah, it, it really, it really. You're talking about the National Football League, the, I assume. It really the is. National Football League, college football, and finally, can can we say finally, someone has made it into the country club that's not an exclusive country club member. What, what are you referring to? Help me out here. The Cincinnati Bearcats cracked the college football playoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know what? And I really hope that they step up and 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 you know perform at a high level. Um, you know which they have been. They've been doing that all season. But let's hope that they because you know, the worst possible thing that can happen with, with you know that the naysayers will jump all over is if they get blown out in this in this playoff system. And I hope they do not. Right. I'd like to see them win. I think it'd be awesome for them to get a win and get into that national title shot. But you know, if nothing else, let's just hope they make it a game. I, and for all intents and purposes, I believe they will make it a darn good showing. Due to this right here, they they know they have something to prove. Now, I got some friends that that have said it like this. They said they still think the committee got it wrong because if you're an undefeated team, 
you should be in that number one ranking. But you know, it's the it's still the politics. It's Alabama. I mean, if you go back a few years when Wichita State ran undefeated, they were seated number one in the NCAA in the NCAA regional, and they drew a number eight seed, Kentucky. And everybody said the seedings were all wrong. If you listen to John Calipari, he said that was actually the best game in that bracket. So, with that being said, it, it's there's going to still be some level of controversy one way or the other, but. Putting Alabama one, that means that's a bulls I put on their back. Cincinnati can still look at it as if, hey, this is a total disrespect to us. And if there's one team I notice in this playoff that really don't want to face them because they just barely escaped last year in the Peach Bowl, that's that number three team, Georgia. Well, and you have to, you have to take it. Here's where you and I are going to disagree a little bit. I got to tell you, okay, for, strength of schedule does mean something. I don't care. You know, people say, you know, you can go unbeaten, but if you're not playing anybody, Cincinnati now, who did they have? They beat, I want to say, who was their biggest, biggest fit? Notre Dame. Yeah, which was a good win. It's a big win. But, I mean, when you take into consideration, now, look, you know, I'm not a big Alabama guy. I'm not, but, you know, I have to respect what the SEC is. And the SEC is the best football conference in the country by far right now. And Alabama's schedule, they beat Georgia, who was number one ranked just this past weekend, right? Was it this, Or was it last? Here yeah, recently. yeah, this, this past Saturday, yeah. Yeah, and they, so, I mean, you've got to hand it. I mean, I, I can't take that number one ranking away. I, I get it. I know they have a loss to an unranked, but that's the only loss they've got. And you look at, you know, again, when you beat the number one team in the country and, and you've got one loss on your record, I can't argue with you being number one. I can't. I, you know, um, Cincinnati, do they deserve to be there? Yes, they do. They're unbeaten. But I don't believe they're number one ranked team because they're unbeaten. I don't buy that at all. You have to look at, again, it's strength of schedule. By the way, before we get further into this, take a second. I want to send some prayers out to my good friend, Scotty Styles. Absolutely. We, I was going to get to that. So you beat me to the punch, but that's, go, that's fine, though. Yeah, no, I was just going to say you, you're aware of, of the situation that he's in and he's just dealing with some things. And yes. it's just, it's Scotty's good people. And, you know, so I, I you know, uh, prayers and, and hugs to his family and him. Right. And, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say this. This may be even borderline controversial, but the, the sad thing about it is with what he's going through is to me, it's a travesty that the station that he used to work for, I haven't heard a mention on it yet. That's not yeah. to say that they haven't, because I do have to be at work during the time they're on. But from the yeah. time I listen, I haven't heard any mention of it. And you would think someone would bring it up. So, you know, to, to them, shame on them. And someone may hear this and I may have to end up turning in my key. But, hey, <laughs> it is what it is. But, yeah, seriously, yeah. Scotty. I want to throw that out there and, and just yeah. let them know that we're thinking about it. Right. Yeah. So, so Scotty. As a matter of fact, this segment we're going to dedicate it to you, buddy. Matter of fact, he's a Michigan guy. He's been, he's been, he's been pulling for Michigan. So I know he's going to be watching this game with some keen interest. Michigan versus Georgia, and so we're going to transition from Alabama, Cincinnati, because I'm going to get back to Cincinnati here pretty soon. But Michigan, Georgia, and I, this is one of those moments I wish we could have Scotty online with us right now because. I know once he seen the seedings and once he found out Michigan was playing, especially when they the week before when they beat Ohio State. Sure, sure. I'm pretty sure Shanny, as he calls her, I'm pretty sure she had to strap him down because he was probably over flooded with joy and exuberation. Like we finally got that buckeye off of our back. Yeah, yeah. Now they're in the college playoffs. Is, I, is that- 
is that not the biggest rivalry in all of college sports? Is it, 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 I, to be hands down, the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, in, in football anyways, not necessarily basketball, but definitely in football, is the biggest rivalry in all of college sports. I can't think of one that's bigger. I really can't. Hey, I mean... Yeah, yeah, it is the biggest. I would say it's at the top, the biggest rivalry in all of college football. Yeah. It, it takes a backseat. I don't care what the what whatever the biggest rival in the SEC may be, I think it takes a back seat to Michigan, Ohio State. Well, the biggest one in the SEC is obviously going to be Alabama Auburn, but it is not on the same level, is it? No, it is not. It is not on the same level. Uh, about about the closest other rivalry, and it's not football. It would be Kentucky against Louisville on the hardwood. Um, yeah, I mean that's tough. It's tough to say. I mean Kansas and Duke is a big, big one, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. Kansas's biggest rival would have been Missouri, but you know, good riddance. They went to SEC, and they haven't even been a blip on the radar. <laughs> thing and you're right that kansas missouri of course the thing is that's not really known nationwide you now the midwest people do it's brutal in the midwest i remember a time when roy williams you know when he was coaching at ku refused to to fill up his his, put put gas in the bus in the state of missouri because he didn't want to give the state of missouri any money (laughs) true story when they go play he'd stay on the kansas side of kansas city because he refused to like give the state of missouri a dime he said True story. I mean, that Kansas-Missouri rivalry. Yeah, at one time, it was pretty brutal, no and, doubt. And if anybody would know about rivalries, it would be Roy Williams before he even took the job at KU because he was on that North Carolina sideline up under sure. Dean Smith. And who was their biggest rival? Duke. Well, North, North Carolina was would have been Duke, right? Yeah, North Carolina-Duke. So, man, we, we could just turn this into a world of the biggest rivals that you know today. That might be my poll question, too. <laughs> If you go college, NFL, or pro, whatever, I mean, there's, you know, it, it varies. I mean, I, you think about, like, um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe Florida, Florida State's a big one in the, in college football, for sure. Um, I'm trying, even even in, in football in these parts, Kansas, Kansas State. Or, you know, back in the day, Oklahoma, Nebraska used to be a big one. Man. That was huge back in the day. I know it hasn't been for a minute because of the conference situation and everything else, but man, when I was a kid, you remember that when those, those two, my God, people would get in fights over that. Yeah. 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 Depend on what bar you went to there. there, I heard there were certain bars that if you went into a bar in, in Nebraska, I don't care if you're from Oklahoma, you better go in wearing some Nebraska or you better go in wearing some plain clothes and act like you are a Nebraska fan because the moment your cover is blown, you better be able to outrun Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what, what's replaced that in the Big 12? And it's not it's not going to, you know, that this is going to go to the SEC, but at some point, you know, in the next couple of years, but Oklahoma, Texas in football right now, that's a big one. The Red River rivalry, that's a huge one. Well, yeah. Um, uh, uh, that's what i think about that (laughs) fair enough fair enough but no i mean it is and Um, and i told you you know there was a time too if you want to get old school i mean you can go back to there was a time when i want to say there was a you know was it ucla usc at one point yes ucla usc and for some reason i was always a ucla fan when it came down to that game and it might for me it might have been uniforms from the head all the way down to the shoes I just didn't like the black shoe look for some reason, as if that made any difference. 
UCLA had that powder blue and gold look on, and man, I was captivated to the colors of their uniform. It was something about the uniforms that attracted me to them. But what was also unique about that, though, was they shared the same home field, so both teams got to wear the home jerseys. How ironic, in college football, the away team normally wears the white jerseys, and the home team wore the dark-colored jerseys. So you have to you had the chance to see UCLA in their home blues, and USC in their home red. Sure. And it made for an interesting game, which is, I have to say now, shame on the NCAA because a few years back they played that game and they went with what was tradition and sure. they penalized one of the schools. So what the other school did was they said, okay, what we'll do is we'll like kick the ball out of bounds and get a flag as well too and, you know, that'll even things up. So I thought in the interest of fairness, that was a good gesture because that's still your rival school and you just don't see that on a daily basis. So, Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Hey. Now, let's shift gears. Take, let's talk about the, uh, the professional. Yeah, let me ask you, okay, which would you say is a bigger rivalry on the professional sports level? Uh, we got Yankees, Red Sox, or say, I don't know, Kansas City, uh, uh, Chiefs, and uh, Raiders. <laughs> which, which would you say is better? I think Yankees, Red Sox. Also. Yankees and Red Sox would be a bloodbath. Yeah, I'll give it to the Yankees Red Sox. Now, if you're an NFC East guy, like you know Dallas, Philly, that's a big one. That's a huge one. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, you break it down by conference, but that that Dallas Philly rivalry. That's where you go back to the days of Buddy the the old Bounty Gate. Remember that? Yeah, but 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 before that rivalry heated up, it was always Cowboys versus Indians. And every now and then, I will still slip and say Redskins because. I am not governed by the FCC, and I don't have a tribe of people telling me what I can and can't say. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the Washington football team, however you, you know, when, I mean, I, I, I mean no disrespect by saying the, the Washington Redskins. That's what they've right. been for years. That's what they've been. We've been knowing them for ever since we were knee-high to a tree stump. We've known them as the Washington Redskins, and that was always the Cowboys' biggest rival. It was, that, yeah. it was something about that rival that was just downright nasty and brutal. I mean, they just didn't like each other. It was basically really a shootout, like back in the days of Wyatt Earp, uh, the Big Valley, and Bonanza. Yeah, sure, sure. High running. We're the Cowboys taking on Indians. We're shooting shotguns. They're shooting bows and arrows. <laughs> now, you and I like talking about our Cowboys, and we, so we'll talk about them for a minute. Um, what's what's uh, you know? I, I don't I don't feel like they're back on par. I know that they got the win this past weekend, and it's you know we'll take it. A win's a win. I, it can be a little bit ugly. We'll take it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. And, but, but, and here's where I'm here's where I'm going to get on to the Cowboys, and it's a staff issue. Yeah. Here's. I've heard some comments that Zeke made, and you know he he says he's been dealing with knee injury, so you know it's quite natural. Fans want to say, well, he got all that money, and he's been regressing, and he hasn't been the same since he got that big contract. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's forget about that. Let's look at the right now. We know that he's not 100%. We know he's nursing a knee injury. He's trying to play through it. Okay, the coaching staff know it. The training staff know it. Why hasn't anyone, because as long as Zeke is out there, he's going to keep playing. Somebody ought to have the wherewithal and say, hey, man, look, we need to rest you, Get let that knee heal up as best as possible. We got TP. We need you for a playoff push. Why hasn't no one on that training staff or the coaching staff made that suggestion? 
I am saying, as a matter of fact, this is called Trash Talking Tuesday. I'm trash talking the coaching staff and the training staff because somebody should have better sense than let this man harm his own self. Well, I think I think that you know he has his playing time has been cut back quite a bit, and I think too one thing about it, you know, Zeke does bring a lot of lot of knowledge to that offensive skill set, that, that offensive backfield, and I don't mean in the sense of like he, you know he's good, he's a really good blocker for a, for a running back. He, he's a good pass protecting blocker, and that's something that they really really need. So I think in certain pass set situations they need him in there. I I don't think they I don't think he should be running the ball twenty times a game, and I don't he isn't right now. Um, I, you know, Pollard's been holding, carrying, getting a lot of carries. I, Zeke's going to be fine. It's just going to take some time. He's got, he's not healthy right now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you most of the time. I can see where they could utilize him in blocking situations. So because he knows, he knows that playbook backwards and forwards, and he knows the ins and outs, and he knows how to protect Dak when he has to. And he's been good. I mean, that's why it's, you know, they, he sounds simple. A lot of guys aren't that good at that. He's good at it. Now, here's another thing, too. Kellen Moore. Yeah. As good as he is, he also has some great areas. And Kellen Moore is beginning to be predictable. Yeah. Let's go back to that Saints game. Okay, we've seen the screen passes to the receivers, but we need to get, if a team is shutting down your running game, you need to find a way to still have your running backs more involved, I like agree. bubble screens. In this from day one when, the, when it comes to Kellen Moore abandons that running game early and it hurts them. It's they, they because here's the thing: you can't open up your passing lanes when you're not running the football. When that line doesn't respect the run, they're going to be all over your receivers. It, it makes it you you got to yeah the running game's not fun. You got to grind it out, but you got to do it. You got to stick to those guns and make them respect your ability to run the ball, and it opens up all kinds of avenues for Dak and those receivers. Right. When so. You're not, Right. You know, when you're not running the ball, they blanket those receivers. It's yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Right. So he he needs to be a little bit more exotic with his play calling, especially utilize those backs in like some bubble screen situations and get them out in the open. Then yeah. that just opens up a whole plethora. Now now you got the defense on their heels. They don't know which how to stop yeah, you. Exactly. Because exactly. I'm exactly. I'm riding with Dak. I want to see Tom Brady again. In the playoff, well, you know what? It, who knows? It could come to that. And here's the thing, though: getting back for just for a second, what we we're talking about well, the, the strength of that Cowboys offense has always been with 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 Prescott. It was this way with Romo to some degree too. Is the the dink and dunks? It's not the it's not the thirty yard passes. It's the little short. It's it's the 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 play actions, the several options, flip it over center, hit your tight end five yards down the field. You chip away and get into the end zone. It takes you twenty five plays, but you do it. You keep moving forward. It's not you know. One thing about their play calling recently has been third and one. They'll they'll try to chuck a forty yard bomb. I don't get that at all. I just don't right. Get it. Third and one. That's yeah. when you that's when you hit some RPOs, run pass yeah. options. I mean, exactly. And that's they're good at that. That's what they've always. That's what Dak's really good at. That that's, I mean, you know. So why why not stick with your strength on that? I don't get that. Yeah. Right. So. Well, Brother Rick, man, we could go on and on, but I know my time is about to get short. But before we go, there is something that I want to play, and I want you to hear this. And then after that, I'll let you go so I can get ready to get to my other job as well. But this is a – it's saying what to expect from Alabama-Cincinnati, and it's Kirk Herbstreet and Jesse Palmer breakdown Alabama College 
playoff game versus Cincinnati. So I want you to hear this. It it's about a minute and 31 seconds. Then we'll chime in a little bit on it and bring this segment to a close. All right, so here we go. All right. You start to early feel on the matchups. This year where you don't really have um, – we thought Georgia might be that, especially defensively. You don't have – dominant teams is separated from the field like Alabama last year, the LSU team the year before. If styles make fights, yeah. uh, you've got somewhat similar styles, Michigan and Georgia, and then Cincinnati, you can match up in the in secondary. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we the Michigan match up against Georgia is obvious. You know, we will talk a lot about that, but I, I think we were sitting here break the potential of a Cincinnati defense yeah. going up against Alabama's offense. And now John Mechie looks like he may be out. And now Luke Fickle, his team, and their defense that has a lot of experience, they're going to hear for a month how they, there's no way they match up with Alabama. It'll create a lot of incentive and a very angry defense that takes the field. And, you know, what they have on the outside yeah, with Gardner and Bryant, and Kobe Bryant I mean, they, they've yeah. got some guys that can play. Well, and at this point now, all your focus is on number one for Alabama and Jamison Williams. I don't think anybody's going to make stop someone him. Else, make someone else beat us. But you can contain him, and now all of a sudden there's going to have to be other bodies in that Alabama locker room. Maybe a Ja'Cory Brooks, a mm-hmm. true freshman, that's made a lot of plays here late in the season. Um, Bolden in, in the slot. These guys are going to have to make more plays and step up for Bryce Young. But, guys, I, I love the Cincinnati defense, not just because of the X's and O's in the NFL. T- talent, but that scheme too, that 3-3-5 three, mm-hmm. three, scheme is something that Bama sees a bit of it from Ole Miss and Arkansas. They don't see a ton of it in no. the SEC. I think that, that's a very yeah, stylistic good yeah, yeah, good matchup. So, some very yeah. valid points there, so do you agree with that? And To some degree, you know, if you're Cincinnati, okay, you're not going to beat Alabama in a shootout. You're not going to get in there and outgun them. So you've got you've to put some defense on the football field and that's the only way you're going to beat Alabama is you've got to put your defense has got to perform at a level that they haven't performed at or very rarely have all year long and it's, it's doable it's doable but you've got to shut that Alabama off and at least slow it down you've got to slow it you've got to you, you don't have to shut it completely down but you've got to slow Alabama's offense down that's it because again you get you start trading blows with them you're going to lose they've got too many guns right you've got to shut them so I, I yeah I do agree with him to some extent Absolutely. So could this possibly be the equivalent? Because this is college football, and we've seen some strange things. We've even seen a fake slide. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. But could this game turn out to be the equivalent of Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas? It's possible. It's possible. Here's the thing. You know, Cincinnati's big advantage is that they don't have – what have they got to lose? They got, I mean, exactly. Even if they get, they got, even if they get beat, nobody thought they were going to be there, right? So, you know, if you combine that with what he was saying is correct, you talk about some, some good locker room stuff, you know, to put a – you know, when everybody's talking all this, you know, Alabama's just going to steamroll them. You know, the, that Cincinnati D, man, I would – I would probably the coaches, I would read those that stuff to them every day. Every day. This yeah. is what be like. This is what such and such from this publication said, and this yep. is what. And basically, the Vegas line is Alabama by three scores. Yep. But as Lee Corso would say, "Not so fast, my friend." <laughs> you know, I tell you, you never. I mean, I, I like Alabama. If I had to pick a winner, I'm going to take Alabama. If I had to pick one of these guys, if I were wagering, but I don't know that it'll be by three scores. I don't. I don't know that I'd go that far. Well, I, you know, I, I'm going to go out on a limb before we end this segment. I'm going to go go out on a limb in, in, in my Charles Barkley voice. I'm going to go out on a limb right about now, and uh, I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going okay. to go with uh, Cincinnati 
because, like you said, they ain't got nothing to lose. All the pressure's on Alabama to win this game. And yeah. Cincinnati's hearing everything that's being said. That's just stewing them a little bit. So I- I'm going to take Cincinnati by four and a half. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, go, I'll take Alabama by seven and a half. Okay. Well, there you have it. Rick got seven and a half on Alabama. I got four and a half. And no, we're not making no bets. We're just putting our picks no, out there. No, we're just having fun. But I Rick, mean, man, I, I'm so glad I could catch you on the fly. Sure, sure, sure. We'll do this again because the next thing I want to talk about next time we hook up, the coaching carousel that is going buck wild crazy. First Lincoln Riley, then Brian Kelly, and then how Miami did Coach Diaz and brought in uh, Cristobal. That was just a that was okay, just okay, downright okay. dirty. Here's what I want to talk. Okay, it was, it was. But here's what but, I here's what I don't understand. I know we got about a minute and a half of that. But yeah, okay. LSU, explain that to me. How do you fire a coach and then you let him? But then you tell him, "Well, go ahead and finish the season, even though you're fired." I don't how does that work? Hey, that, those things happen. Those things happen. At least he didn't get let go on the tarmac. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but I, don't, I just. <laughs> yeah. It, do you, it, isn't it mind-boggling to you though? You would go to Ed Ogeron, who's a legendary coach in the SEC, and go, "You're canned, but finish the season." Well, I, well, you know what? I, I I thank you for letting me finish out this season like this. Uh, you, you could have at least let me coach him in the bowl game. I mean, now you got the team at a real bad disadvantage because you got an interim coach, and uh, they're playing up against a good quality opponent. I, I don't understand it, but. I'm going to be watching the game on TV eating some of this good down-home crawfish. (laughs) All right, right, Rick, man. All right. You take care, Rick. You too. All right. Once again, it's always good to catch up with a good friend and uh, shoot the breeze on the podcast. That was Rick Thomas from Running the Table. So it's about time for me to vacate, but I will be back with some more. So – Stay tuned. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're on board the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. Enjoy the ride. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is going to be the shortest segment because my time is growing to an end. Like I said, it's always good to catch up with a good friend, Rick Thomas. Man, glad I caught up with you. But in 
my closing, what I would like to say is we have a mutual friend who is in the fight of his life. He's waiting to get results from doctors. He's one of the ones I can say was very influential on me being where I'm at right now doing podcasts and running my mouth. He was a stable on Wichita Radio Airwaves. Him and the station, they parted ways. He was a man that would speak his mind and speak his convictions. And we need more people like that, even in the face of opposition. The man knows no colors. If he deems you a friend, trust me, you have a friend. So as I close out this podcast, I want y'all to remember the name Scott Stiles. S-T-I-L-E-S. The show he was on was called game plan, which aired in the mornings. And I don't know how many guys he went through. How he, there, there was a Chris Solecki. There was a Steve Strain. There was a Doug Downs. I mean, he, he outlasted quite a few of them there. So right now, he's in the battle of his life. He's doing as well as to be expected. He's giving updates but please say a prayer for my brother and my friend, Scott Styles. Scott, we're praying for you. Hope you get a chance to listen to this. Get well soon. I believe that when it's all said and done, you will be a living testimony. And when you have nothing else to rely on, always keep the faith. As it is said, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And Scott, I know you are a man of faith and you have a very brilliant and beautiful wife beside you who is in this battle with you as well, too. So we pray God's blessings on y'all's life, that he will see y'all through this and that you will be able to come out singing. I made it out all right. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to cue down the music and I'm going to offer up a word of prayer to close out this podcast. I believe prayer is in order. Some people may agree, some may not agree, but at this moment, if you disagree, it's because maybe you feel you don't need the prayers, but there is someone that is needing our prayers, needing our well wishes. and. This is my friend. This is my brother. So at this moment, Lord, we we ask your blessings right now on Scott Styles. You know what him and his family is going through. We thank you that you have someone standing by him 24-7, being that rock and that backbone and that support for him in a time of need. But Lord, we ask that right now you would heal his body. You know what he's going through, the 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 Whatever it is the doctors have found, we know that you are a doctor that made the doctor. Just like the woman 
reached out and touched the hem of your garment and was healed immediately. Just like he told the lame man to pick up his bed and walk. Lord God, we ask that right now that Scott Styles needs you right now. And we just pray that you heal his body, make him whole, that he will come out saying, I made it out all right. So, Lord, we ask that you just touch him, touch his family, those who are around him, praying for him. Lord, the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Lord, we just ask that you just heal him right now and that one day he will be able to testify of your goodness and testify of your healing. So we just want to say thank you in advance for what you are going to do. And we give you the victory right now we praise your name for all that you're going to do in jesus name we do pray amen scott once again we are praying for you and we know that in due time you will be healed of these infirmities so i am about to bring this session to a close And I hope you have enjoyed it. We'll be back again soon. And uh, whatever you do, please leave comments. I would love to hear your feedback. And uh, once again, keep my friend Scott in your prayers. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave out, end out on this song. Scott, this song for you right here. Uh, and this song is for those that know without a doubt in their mind I made it out all right. Oh, my God.